You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Well, good morning. Open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 9. And while you're turning there, it's just such a joy and privilege for me to be with you today and to preach God's Word. I do love your pastor. I have known him for a long time. Uh, I actually met him the first time a long time ago. So uh, really excited to see what God's doing through your pastor and what God's doing in your church. And uh, just privileged to be a part of it. And uh, grateful to be a part of the Baptist College of Florida. I am the president of the Baptist College of Florida at least for 23 more days. And then I'll be the president of the Baptist University of Florida as our name changes. And if you know our institution, it's not unusual for us to change our name. We've changed it a few times, but I think we've landed on one. The Baptist University of Florida, we will be at this year's state convention from then on. And we've been training your Christian leaders for 81 years in the state of Florida. We have over 4,500 graduates. About half of those are serving vocationally in our local churches, uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, ministering to people, leading in worship week in and week out, discipling young people and adult leaders. And that's what we've been about. Our institution has grown in recent years. We're also training educators as well as business leaders and psychologists and counselors. And, and so uh, we've got a, had a glorious past and looking forward to a great future. Thank you for your support of the college. In Matthew chapter 9, the Bible summarizes the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see it beginning in verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. And then in John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus simply said these words, As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. I want to talk to you today about four Beatitudes. Now, I noticed, Pastor, when I came in that on the cover of the program is Beatitudes. Well, I'm going to give you four Beatitudes for missions involvement that Jesus taught us. These are the attitudes that he had, and he, these are the attitudes that he has called us to be a part of when, it, when he talks about carrying his gospel to the nations. And here in this text, you find these four Beatitudes. I could not help but think as we sang that last song, Brother Daniel, that when we get to heaven, I think we're all going to be really surprised 
Now, there's a lot of things going to be surprising in heaven. But I think one of the things is that, that we romanticize and even think about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven to speak to Moses and to find out what it was like to walk through that dried up bed of the Red Sea. Or what was it like to receive the tablets from God himself on the mountain. We want to speak to Abraham and hear the stories of the incredible movement of God, how Jesus came to his house. Him and Sarah and their life together. We want to talk to David and and, and that battle with Goliath and hear some of the stories of these Daniel in that lion's den. We want to speak to Esther and see what it was like to be in that occasion, in that moment as the king extended the scepter for her. We want to speak to Mary and hear her tell us herself what it was like to hear the announcement of that angel knowing that she was with child. We want to speak to Peter and all of these great saints that we've thought about. But I think what's going to surprise us the most is that when we get to heaven, all of those saints are going to want to talk to you. For the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that they were all ministering to us. Those of us now who have the full revelation that Jesus Christ has died, been buried and raised from the dead. And now we live in this unprecedented age. Unprecedented. A hundred years ago you could not do what we're doing now where we are literally traveling among every tribe and people and tongue and nation in the world to announce the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who have never heard. I wrote my dissertation on a man named Samuel Zwemer, who is the apostle to Islam. He preached in Nashville at a great convention in 1905 and William Borden was in the house the heir to the Borden milk throne. And William Borden surrendered his life to be a missionary, to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. He sold and gave away his share of the business, which was enormous, and he set sail for China. On his way to China, he stopped in Cairo to spend a few weeks with Samuel Zwemer, who was preaching the night he was called to be a missionary. He contracted dysentery and died in Cairo he never made it to China one of the wealthiest men in the world and that was when your great grandmother was alive I mean they're going to want to talk to us what did you do with the gospel I mean, this thing of getting on a jet airplane and being anywhere in the world in less than 36 hours. This thing of now this globalization and this interconnectivity of people all over the face of the earth. What did you do with the gospel? No, no, Moses, I want to hear about what you... Oh, you know what I did. I want to hear what you did. 
And I think for each one of us, we're going to be surprised. What a day in which we live. What a privilege. How did Jesus do missions? What did he call us to do? Four Beatitudes. Let me give you the first one. It begins with obedience. Now, all these are going to start with B-E, okay? So I'll tip you off here. You can take out that little insert there. There's a little place for notes. So it begins with obedience. The Bible says in verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's what he had been sent to do. He had been sent to preach the gospel, to go from village to village. Now on one occasion in Luke chapter 4, it tells us that one village tried to keep him from leaving. They stayed him, the King James said. I don't know what stayed means, but I think it means they kept him from going. And he said, I must go preach the gospel to other cities also. For this reason, I was sent. Jesus said, I have been sent to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus was sent. You and I have been sent. And for you to be involved in missions, it starts with obeying the commission that Jesus has given us. And he's given that commission five different times in five different places in the New Testament. Well, I can't get it picked up here. Five different places, five different occasions. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. That's what he said in Matthew. We just heard it a moment ago. In Mark, he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Different occasion, same commission. In Luke, he said, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached among all the nations, and you are witnesses of these things. In John, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And in the book of Acts, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth, Jesus could not have made it any plainer go it begins with obeying his commission I think if we're going to be where God wants us to be as the people of God we're going to have to have a heart so loyal so faithful so true to him that we simply want to obey what he's called us to do He's called us to take this gospel. And that means you need to start right here, right now in Fort Walton Beach. Right here and right now. Tell somebody here about Christ. You say, well, I've never really had much of a sense of urgency, Pastor. Or I'm waiting for the filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm waiting for something else. Man, I don't know. I just haven't had much urgency. The people at my work, the people at my school, my friends on my street. I just haven't had much urgency. My social club. Well, what more does Jesus have to do to give you urgency? 
Now, as a pastor for 20 years in Orlando, 19 in Orlando, and for many other years, Mississippi and Tennessee, I've been called to the bedside of dying people many, many times. And I've had those conversations with them and with their families. You know what people want to talk about when they're dying? What really matters? What did Jesus talk about before he left? Go. Start with obedience. Will you go? Will you share Christ with somebody here? You see, it begins with obedience, but it doesn't stop there. Then, look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he saw the multitudes, he began to see them. The first B is begin with obedience. The second one is behold. Behold the broken people. See them. The word translated see here means to stare to become acquainted with by experience, to really experience the people. And while we have become interconnected and while we have so much social media now to where it's like we can be exposed to what everybody's doing and, I mean, in all over the world, yet I think we're a little disconnected from the reality of how broken people really are. You see, Jesus had already gone into every city and village and synagogue. He'd already preached. He'd already healed a leper. He'd already, he'd already helped somebody who'd been demonized. He'd already seen these mothers who were weeping over their children and who were hopeless and helpless. And he had, he had a vision of them that was different than what other people had. Even his own disciples didn't see it the way he had because he had already been in their homes. He had already had conversations with them. The people of our nation, the people in our community, they are broken. There is a sense of brokenness and fear like I have never seen among people. Hungry souls. Do you know the number one killer in America for men and women under the age of 40? It's suicide. The number one cause of violent death in America. It's suicide. The, the mental health crisis in America has got every educator in America talking about it. Every, every group is talking about it. We've never seen anything like this among any civilization. Some sociologists are telling us 27% of young people are dealing with chronic and serious mental health crises. I mean, this community is broken. We have seen the, the de-churching and the devaluing of belief in God, even shaming the church in our society. And it is causing many people to go through incredible brokenness because they're far from God. Will you see the broken people who are hungry? The people who are close to you. When I pastored in Orlando, Pastor Wade, just before coming 
here, I noticed a, a huge trend for us was children bringing the whole family to church. Never been to church before. And the children started asking, would you take us to church? Now, I pastored church at the cross, and we had a huge cross right on the 408 Expressway in Orlando and Highway 50. And we'd have children drive by and say, I want to go to that church. And they'd bug their parents to take them to church. And then they would come to church with their family. And the whole family would give their lives to Christ. But it would be because that child would be hungry and their home be a mess. We had one young man, he brought eight people with him to receive Christ but then you start hearing the stories of the brokenness you start seeing the hungry souls would you behold the multitude don't, don't see them as just oh well they're busy or they're workers or they got a sorry attitude or, they're, or, or whatever see their souls Jesus saw people differently when you start obeying and you start going to the multitude and you start having conversations with these people, you'll start seeing them differently. And when you see the multitude, it, it can affect you. I mean, how many of them have been diagnosed with a terminal disease this week? How many of them has lost a loved one? There has to be a point in your mission's journey where you behold or you see it. For me, it was in 1995. I was in Eastern Europe. We'd been invited there to teach pastors in Moldova, which is a little country sandwiched between the Ukraine and Romania. It's, it's sort of the breadbasket of the Soviet, former Soviet Union. Just four and a half million people lived there. And there was a movement of the gospel going there. And they invited us to come over and teach their pastors. They had 250 churches and only 70 pastors. And so they all, we all came together in the capital city. And it was the week after Christmas. Now their Christmas is January the 6th. Which means it was cold. I mean, it was really cold. No heat in the hotel. No heat. And we taught these pastors. It was famine because when the former Soviet Union collapsed, they then gave the land to the farmers and the people. Remember, the government owned everything. They gave the land to the people, but they didn't give them equipment so they couldn't farm the land. And so there was a tremendous famine. And we had cabbage soup for breakfast. Cabbage soup for lunch. Guess what we had for dinner? <laughs> Borscht, they called it. They would give us an egg, not the pastors. And about the fourth day of sleeping in four layers of clothes, freezing and teaching these men of God, and we would get up and pray over this soup before we would eat it in the morning. And I got up and I looked at this soup. And I just began to cry. And it wasn't just because I was a spoiled American. It was because at night we were going church to church in the capital city. 
preaching. And the people would stand in the snow as far as your voice could carry to hear you preach. And we had two-hour services. And then hundreds, they were just flocking into the kingdom. I'd never seen anything like it. Started seeing this thing a little different. Another experience I had was actually in Paraguay, as in South America, among the Guanani speaking. You know, Paraguay is the only bilingual nation on the face of the earth, and Guanani is an unwritten language, just a spoken language, and there's Spanish is the other language. And so we went out into the nether regions and ministered to the people who did not have a literate language. And we were going house to house, and we came upon one house, and there was a baby about 18 months old sitting in front of the house. And when I say the word house, I mean it loosely. It, it looked like an old sawmill shack that my family used to live into at the first of the century, at the 20th century. I mean, it wasn't much of a house at all. And that little baby was playing with a toy, the only toy that they had. And the toy was a butcher knife about this long. And it was sharp. That was the toy the child was playing with. We shared Christ in that little community, in that village, and started a church in that little village. And one of our International Mission Board missionaries worked in that area and across that region, starting churches and winning people to Christ. And they began to get work, but I saw the multitude. It begins with obedience, and then you behold really broken people all over the face of the earth. But then... Thirdly, the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Once you begin and you behold, then you become. You become burdened. Jesus was moved. Now, I remember that morning crying over my cabbage soup, thinking about the lostness of this people and how desperately they needed the gospel. And how little they had and how grateful they were for what they had. I remember that morning feeling really guilty that I had not been moved before. Until I read this text. Because even our Lord was moved when he saw them. He was moved. Now the word translated moved here is a word that I really can't translate because it's not Sunday morning talk. It has to do with portions of your gut being moved. Let's just leave it at that. How's that? <laughs> he was moved. There's a visceral, physical experience. Have you ever convulsed and wept? over the lostness of the people on your street in your school you ever realize their eternity and Jesus wept over them and he's called us to have a heart for them why did he weep over why was he moved so much 
Because he knew them. He had been working with them. He had been talking to them. He had been hearing their stories. He had been healing their children. He had seen these moms and dads bring a child. One of them on one occasion would throw himself into the fire and have no help. And this community, this city, this region, and the ends of the earth are so broken, they need somebody who'll come and tell them that there is a God who loves them. And His Son has come now to save them. They can have eternal life. They can have life now. And they'll have life forever. Would you go and tell them? Now, some Christians, they want to wait for a feeling. I, when I was in Memphis many years ago, I was the minister of missions at Kirby Woods, and I had a lot of conversations with our people at a church in Memphis. And I asked them, why, why haven't you gotten involved? Why haven't you? Well, you know, I just, I don't know. You know, I just hadn't felt the urgency. Hadn't really been burdened for it yet. Well, you're not going to get the burden first. It begins with obedience. Then when you begin to behold people and see them differently, then you become burdened. Do you notice the testimony of Brother Wright just a moment ago? What he shared? He shared when he became burdened. When he was moved with compassion. I was in Southeast Asia some years ago with one of our couples from the International Mission Board, and we were in a, a mega city, 13 million people. And they told me how that when they first came to that city, they would walk through the main streets and even the areas where it's a tourist area for nationals in that nation that would come to that area, one of their highest and holiest places was in that city and so that we'd go in and out of the shops and the, the the restaurants and speak to people they could not find one person who knew the name of Jesus not one they could not find one person who knew a Christian and they could not find one person who knew where a church was or where a church meeting would be Fifteen years later is when I started going to that city because they had invited me to come to that city because now when you walk down those streets and in those shops and into those restaurants, 15 to 20 years after that couple had moved there, they could not find one person who did not know the name of Jesus, who did not know a Christian who did not know where a church meeting was. One of the greatest harvests in the history of the church had happened over about a 20-year period there. And I had been invited there to help train their leaders who were in a movement called Back to Jerusalem to take the gospel all the way back to Jerusalem from that country. He had been... Move with compassion and that's why God had brought them there and they had seen God do incredible things. What a day in which we live. You see, when you get to heaven, they're going to want to know 
Tell me what you did. See, because the fourth beatitude, you not only begin and you become, you behold, but finally you belong now to the mission. You belong to the mission. Look what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And then in verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus sends them out. They're sent. You belong to the mission. Listen, for you to be what God has called us to be, we have to belong to the mission. To know Jesus Christ is to be sent. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. You see, now that we've been raised from death to life, now that Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit, we live sent. We are to be a part of this mission. We're to get involved in it. We're belonging to the mission. Every one of us are to leverage everything we have. Our gifts, our talents, our resources, our time. Everything for the glory of God and the furtherance of His mission to take the gospel to the nations. To the ends of the earth. And so I'll give you three quick ways you can belong to the mission. The big one here, Jesus says, is to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is not the lostness of people that they are resistant to the gospel. Jesus said the problem is the workers are too few. Send us. Go and pray that God would call them out. Would you pray this week God would call somebody out of the First Baptist Church of Fort Walton Beach and send them to the nations? Would you do that? Would you pray he'd call more than one? Would you even pray he'd call you? You said, now wait a minute, I can't go. You know, when I was in Memphis, we, we had a retired nurse in our church. Excuse me, not in Memphis, in Orlando. We had a retired nurse. She was in her 70s. And she went to the nations. We had a pharmaceutical salesman in our church in Mississippi. I called him a drug salesman, but you know what I'm saying. He was a pharmaceutical rep for a big company. He only worked about three days a week because the hospitals in Memphis and the doctors, they, they bought everything he sold. And so guess what? He had some free time on his hands. He was one of my deacons. So I started discipling. We started going out, sharing the gospel, winning people to Jesus. We had a missions conference just like this. Wade, he was sitting right over here about the third row for during the invitation. Dr. Jeff Ginn had preached. Jeff Ginn, who's now in Richmond, he was over all of South America for a while. I looked over at Greg. He couldn't sing a word. We were singing, wherever you lead, I'll go. He couldn't sing. He's one of our singers, too. I wondered after the service, what's going on with him? He called me up afterwards and said, I couldn't sing because I know God's called me. Our North American Mission Board has something called the Sin Network. Greg Murphy is the executive director of the Sin Network. He was a pharmaceutical salesman, a little church in North Mississippi when God called him. I've worked with a lot of 
missionaries. When Linda and I were in seminary, we did a class called Life on the Mission Field. And for 16 weeks, we had a different missionary couple come in and talk to us about life on the field. This was unvarnished. What was shocking to us is every one of them told us their call experience. And about 80% of them were called when they were children. So I believe there's some children in the house today that God's calling to go to the nations. Would you pray that God would call you? Would you pray that God would call somebody out of your church? Would you send? Because all of us, we can only be in one place at one time. Wow, that preacher was profound, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was. You get the president of a university, you get profundity. Yeah, you can only be in one place at one time. And so while you may go somewhere on the other side of the earth, there's a lot of earth to reach. So we all have to be a part of sending. Give your money. Would you give? I mean, this year we're going to buy a lot for Christmas, but remember whose birthday it is. Let's make sure we give and send people. And for some of you, it's to go. Begins with obedience. And you begin to behold the people as they really are. Then you become burdened. And then you just belong to the mission. Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to pray for missions. I'm going to pray for missionaries. I'm going to give. I'm going to send. I'm going to be a part of short-term work. And Lord, send me. Send my children. Send my grandchildren. to the end that you'd be glorified because when you get to heaven Moses is going to want to talk to you thank you for listening we pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word may the Lord richly bless you